Penn State Conversations is a podcast produced by the Donald P. Bellisario College of Communications. Episode topics range from the people, programs, and events that shape the Bellisario College to discussing key aspects of life in the professional world for young and upcoming communications alumni. Please enjoy this episode of Penn State Conversations. Welcome to Penn State Conversations. Jacob Wilkins with you, and great to be joined by Pete Jensen, who is, among many things, the senior fantasy editor for NHL.com. You can see him on NHL Network, where he's a fantasy analyst, and he co-hosts the NHL Fantasy on Ice podcast, and you can find that wherever you get your podcasts. And, of course, a Penn State grad, and most importantly, a good friend of mine, and that's always great to have particularly a guy from Penn State, and then being in this business, uh, it can be hard to find real long-lasting friendships, and I'm proud to call Pete a friend. Hey, buddy, how are you? Doing great, Jacob. Thanks so much for having me on, and yeah, we're great friends in the industry, friends uh, off the ice, I guess you could say, and uh, great to be joined by you, man. Yes, yes, I've been at your wedding, and uh, yes, uh, (laughs) more than just... uh, industry friends. But uh, let's talk. We're talking today. I think your path uh, objectively has been a really interesting one because take us through, I forgot, was it 2009 you graduated or 2010? Were you with us? It was December 2010. Right. And you've been, you know, in an industry where people are going from job to job, you've sort of been with the NHL in some capacity from the start. Uh, Take me through that and how you got connected with them. Sure. I mean, timing, a lot of people say timing is everything. I'm very grateful that I graduated a semester early. I was able to finish up at that time in December. I graduated uh, late December, right around Christmas time. And I started my job at the NHL, I think it was January 3rd, 2011. And yeah, the opportunity to come here right off the bat, have some stability and also grow in my role year after year after year has been a pleasure, honestly, and it's been a great opportunity to hone the skills that I learned back at Penn State, whether you talk about writing, radio, television, broadcasting, you name it. I, they prepared me for this point, and I've found my niche here and uh, ran with it. So it's been a lot of fun. Uh, it's been exciting year after year after year, and uh, it's the fastest sport in the world. So how could you not be expi- excited? And tell me, you know, I remember when we were in college, I mean, you were doing the writing, you were a very good producer, uh, both on the radio and television side. Uh, What was your your thought of what you thought you wanted to do compared to what ended up happening? Well, I mean, that's one thing that I think everybody who's at Penn State and in college listening can learn is I took a job uh, in New York City. Uh, A lot of other people uh, in TV broadcasting or sports broadcasting had to go to smaller markets to start. I started here. It wasn't exactly what I wanted to do right off the bat, uh, but it morphed into that over the years. Uh, I started with an opportunity to write and cover fantasy for NHL.com and write some draft features and some player features. I remember I talked to Patrice Bergeron, uh, who was fresh off winning the Stanley Cup uh, with the Boston Bruins my first summer at the league. So that was really exciting for me. And I just kind of took the ball and ran with it. And um, yeah, I mean, I wanted my dream was to kind of do a role, have a role uh, in sports, 
sports uh, journalism where I could touch on all the different platforms. And now you uh, add in social media and all those uh, possibilities. And it's been really fun uh, to roll with the punches and develop uh, on the fly. And yeah, I'm really happy that I'm able to do all those different things because I started at Penn State uh, on the print journalism front and I ended in broadcast journalism and I ended up doing more of that sort of stuff at Penn State. And then, you know, when I got into the workforce, it was a, uh, you know, it was a fun chance for me to do all those different things uh, a few years down the line uh, from the fantasy angle at NHL.com. Yeah, and I think it's a great example. You know, I tell people, someone a few um, months ago uh, that I was talking to said, gosh, I really want to become an NBA insider. And I said, well, you don't have to have years and years of on-air experience, but you really have to be an expert. I mean, it's all about access and what you know and what relationships you have. And the same thing transfers over to, I think, what you're doing in that, yeah, maybe you didn't come from the natural, you know, doing the 11 o'clock news, but you established yourself as someone that was a go-to and that uh, could speak with knowledge on a topic that was growing and, and you really jumped on it. Yeah, it's been a blast. I mean, I can fun thing about NHL coverage and fantasy is that it all corresponds with reality. So come playoff time when uh, the microscope is on uh, the NHL and the Stanley Cup playoffs, which are arguably the best in all the sports. I think uh, it's fun for me to jump on radio stations all throughout North America and talk real life hockey line combinations, uh, trends in reality and not just be limited to fantasy which is really a big uh, audience to begin with and uh, I've able I've been able to uh, grow fantasy's footprint here at the league over my 8 plus years here uh, but yeah it's uh, people come to me for specific advice on their fantasy teams all year round this is like 24/7 365 <laughs> what it's become uh, but also, yeah, general, it, it allows me to know the ins and outs from the prospects to the lineups, all the trends surrounding all 31 teams, soon to be 32 with Seattle. And it's really fun to be a part of, uh, to be able to be so knowledgeable and uh, talk to so many different people around the country about hockey and the ins and outs of every single team. Yeah, and it just seemed... For you, uh, throughout your time, you were able to constantly grow your role. Take me through where you started in developing, uh, where you were just writing, and then how you really advocated for yourself um, in terms of developing the podcast, developing more video, um, and how you were able to accomplish that. Yeah, on the video front, it was uh, all about advocating for myself. Once I laid the groundwork and had the following and had the um, exposure in terms of my writing, I was able to go to a couple different people. One guy at the time, Joe Whalen, was with NHL Studios. I was in a meeting with him for something else, and I kind of made my pitch and said, hey, this is a growing audience. And um, you know, I'm knowledgeable and I have the background from college. I showed him some clips, uh, showed him some of my radio segments because that's pretty much all I was doing at the time in terms of broadcasting the stuff I was writing about. And uh, yeah, he gave me an opportunity. I did videos a couple times a week for just for digital on NHL.com. And then after the MLB advanced media BAM merger, 
Um, I same thing. I reached out with some of my work to a guy, Josh Bernstein, who is still there at the forefront of MLB NHL Network uh, programming and made my pitch. And once again, very grateful for the opportunity and have been going on NHL Network at least once per week over the past three seasons. So and now my colleague, Rob Reese, who works directly with me, he goes on once a week as well. So we have a growing footprint on the on the network as well. So that has been something uh, that has led directly over time to the creation of the NHL Fantasy on Ice podcast from this past regular season. We're going to keep it going during the offseason. It's myself and Rob, and uh, we're pretty much answering questions, talking about talking about all the different teams and the lineup trends and the injuries and trades, signings, you name it. It's a uh, really fun to be a part of and it's very comprehensive even if you don't play fantasy i think it's a really good listen uh and it's a culmination of a lot of the different things that i've done here over the years yeah i think that's a great point because i think people think fantasy and they think who am i starting DraftKings, FanDuel, etc. And that's certainly an element, but there's almost, especially with the increase in analytics and just the numbers and research that's out there, you said you're hitting on all these these different things and, and the merger of that is perfect. Yeah, definitely. And I, I'm excited too about what lies ahead. I mean, the NHL is doing a lot of player and puck tracking. They've ramped up their stats pages in recent years. Uh, they have a huge stats department now that they created this past year. So um, kind of on the leading edge of it, um, just being associated with the league at this particular time. And um, things will continue to grow and uh, turn in different ways in the months and years to come. So uh, we're not stopping anytime soon, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you've been at the forefront, you know, and that's a good lesson for the students is that Look, there was no NHL network, or maybe there was. It was in its infancy when we graduated. But you were in the right place to and well-positioned to take advantage of that opportunity once it evolved and ready with the content to deliver to it. Exactly. And same thing with the podcast network. Yep. Up until this fall, there was no podcast network. Now we're one of four, Fantasy on Ice. There's NHL Executive Suite where they talk to uh, – you know, a lot of different uh, leaders in the game, general managers, stuff like that. There's yeah, the Percy, great one. Right? Exactly. And yep. there's uh, the great one-on-one -on -one with uh, the great one, Wayne Gretzky, <laughs> which is really cool to even be in the same sentence uh, with some another initiative like that. And then there's also NHL draft class. So since we started, we were the first podcast uh, in the fall. There have been others that have uh, you know, springboarded uh, into this uh, equation for the league. So it's been uh, an honor to be a part of, uh, especially with the league uh, partnering up with FanDuel right around the same time. It was a lot of uh, good exposure for me and everybody associated with fantasy here at the league. You and the great one side by side, Pete. <laughs> you, and, you and Gretzky. Uh, yeah, we'll see. I'm not there yet, but it's... Maybe you can, br uh, maybe you can bring him to our next dinner. Yeah, maybe. We'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll hold our breath. Uh, tell me, you know, we've talked about this off air. I think a turning point for you was sort of the initiative you took once BAM was taking over uh, or however they were merging with NHL Network and everybody was sort of coming together in Secaucus. Take me through um, how that was a turning point for you and again, how you advocated for yourself in a respectful manner. 
Oh yeah, definitely. That was a huge moment in my career. I mean, I would preach uh, to anyone entering this field, as you would know, Jacob, you have to have a combination of patience, hard work, and also advocate for yourself at the right time. And that was, uh, you know, really summed it up for me. Uh, it was a couple of years ago. It was like three years ago or so uh, when I was ultimately put, finally put into a role uh, with fantasy in my title. I mean, for a long time, I was a multimedia producer, either for the clubs at NHL.com or the NHL.com homepage. And I was doing all this fantasy stuff on the side, manage, managing the editorial content plan, uh, coordinating all the sponsorship, video elements, uh, daily fantasy uh, picks, rankings, all the off-season content plan. And, um, you know, it was pretty much just uh, an extension of my job at the time, an extension of my title. Meanwhile, when this BAM merger happened, it was... Uh, it was pretty much crunch time for me. I had to speak up for myself. I had to say that pretty much what I was doing on the fantasy front was reaping the rewards and for the league and also uh, that it was worth its own position, which at the time it goes kind of like with the same thing with how the fantasy podcast started. A colleague of mine, also Penn State alum, Bob Bender, had to you know, push for his role and push for the new platform. Uh, that was me a couple of years prior with fantasy in general. So uh, it was a time where I had to reach out to uh, people way above me, including uh, the COO at the time, John Collins, uh, you know, to get everything straight and pretty much make, make a case for myself uh, to stay at the NHL as opposed to going to uh, MLB Advanced Media. It's something that looking back, I'm very glad that I you know, spoke up, very glad that I not only did the hard work, but that I advocated for myself, like you said, in a professional manner. And it led to the creation of my position, which has now a few years later led to the creation of another position uh, that works directly with me. And, uh, the you know, the rest is history. We're doing new things, reaching a new audience, new platforms that, you know, someone doing it on the side of their regular job, uh, Two people devoted to fantasy can do so much more than that. And that's what we've been able to create as a result of not only the hard work, but also the advocation for what we were doing. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, so many people, whether it's a young alum listening to this podcast or uh, someone that might be midway through their careers or, you know, a little bit older like us, uh, what, what would be your advice in terms of how to know how to present uh, your case because that's been a common theme in your career uh, and doing it in a way where it's not just professional but it's persuasive. Yeah, I mean, I think along the way, finding not only finding your niche but finding any different possibilities, even if it's, I mean, it's not always easy. There are always new platforms that maybe you don't understand or don't know how to maximize, and you have to figure out how to maximize. If it was just you know, writing articles and, oh, they do this type of page views. I mean, sometimes that's not enough. Having four or five different platforms or different things that you do, even on your own time, uh, you know, to maximize the presence of the content you're creating and, you know, pretty much being relentless, not being complacent. That would be the main thing. I mean, you know, you, you were kind of on similar path to me at Penn State. We were not kids that just sat around and uh, spent Fridays and Saturday yeah. nights, uh, you know, out and about. We were yeah. prepping for the broadcast the next day. It wasn't always easy. We were, you know, doing things, uh, 
you know, all condensed together. So many different platforms, play-by-play, radio hosting, um, different professional platforms as well. I look back to my time at Penn State with B- Big Ten Network, Student U, yeah. ESPNU, yeah. Um, Campus Connection, all these different things. Uh, Center County Report, which is still uh, growing in a big way on the TV front at Penn State. So all those different things. I mean, our schedules were loaded. It was uh, it was not easy, but it was. Uh, I'm glad I did it. It's worth the extra effort. And you know what? At that point and now, it's it's the work that matters, right? You know, and we see we have plenty of interns that cross through, and whether it's from Penn State or otherwise, it's not about. And, and your personality, by the way, as we talk about you, you know, advocating for yourself, you're not a brash, you know, break down the door sort of guy. So it shows you don't right. have to be like, um, you know, defiant and and you know, really a renegade to get things done. <laughs> um, but also to the point that like. Uh, it's the, when you can show, here's my body of work, here's my work ethic, and you start a job by putting your head down and going to work, then when it comes time to make that big pitch, you have a lot more respect. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, this, you know, the sponsorships and stuff come come along with it on the NHL yeah. side. I mean, when you can get things that have the opportunity to attach uh, revenue to, like fantasy does in general, whether it's FanDuel, Yahoo!, um, we have Enterprise Hat Trick Challenge, which I program the questions for. That's just like another thing thrown uh, in my direction, but I have a blast with it, doing it every single day during the regular season and the postseason. So, yeah, so many different areas, so many different facets of. I, I would say that you know, so I, there are very few people at the NHL that work with almost every single department. Uh, in the league. And that's something that I'm proud to say that fantasy has been able to touch on, whether it's social media, broadcasting, NHL network, partnership marketing. Uh, It's all over the place. Regular NHL.com editorial. Um, The the list goes on. I mean, make your role as multifaceted, make your case as dynamic as possible. And then I think that good things will come as a result of that. Hard work pays off in the end. Yeah. Yeah. And people recognize it. Um, and you were someone that, if I remember, even in college, I mean, you liked hockey, but it wasn't like uh, you, you lived and died with it. But you really, yep. once you found it, you embraced it. Take me through that. Yeah. I mean, it was my fourth favorite sport behind the other three, the big three. So uh, that was another thing. Going outside your comfort zone sometimes is huge. You know, I never would have gotten an opportunity like this to streamline and, uh, you know, put fantasy uh, on the map like this if I had gone to work, say, for the NFL or, you know, not that I wouldn't have taken an opportunity like that, but just going outside my comfort zone allowed me to propel myself uh, in my career a little bit. So, yeah, I mean, I was a hockey fan growing up. I was, you know, rooted for the Islanders, rooted for the Buffalo Sabres in my high school years. Uh, they kind of uh, grew my love for the sport a little bit as they were uh, after the lockout. They were very competitive the next two years. I have family in Rochester, so got mm-hmm. connected with them a little bit. And yeah, I mean, I took a chance uh, that I knew I loved hockey. I knew I had more love to gain for it. And now, I mean, other than maybe college football, which is uh, a fabric of my life as a result of going to Penn State, that is pretty that's right up there. Hockey. Uh, not only from my work standpoint, I mean, so many days in my life, I 
I work all day. I work during the day and then I go home and watch hockey for my own pleasure <laughs> and also for work. I mean, it's yeah. a, it's a fun thing to, to say about my current job, how much I love it and how much I've grown to love it and just as much as every other sport. So nobody should ever say, oh, I don't like soccer or I don't like lacrosse as much as I like basketball. So I'm not going to take this opportunity. I think uh, you should reconsider. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny in my role now with the, with the Binghamton club and we have the Binghamton devils, by the way, the devils uh, right. affiliate, but with the rumble ponies, the Mets double a affiliate, I didn't know once I was doing baseball games every night, if I would go home and watch more baseball, but I do because I don't get to see the major league games. So I got to catch up on my <laughs> highlights. Um, tell me, uh, people might think that the off season is a lighter time, but we were talking right before the interview, things are ramping up for you. Take us through your schedule leading up to the start of the season. Yeah, it's one of the shortest off seasons in all of sports. It's only about two and a half months. We're still not even officially at the off season because we just had the NHL draft. And now we have a free agency coming up July 1st, a very busy time, then maybe take a little vacation, but also have, I mean, we have stuff running NHL.com slash fantasy every single day, a new story popping up during the off season. We preview every single team. We do stat projections points, goalie wins, uh, you know, for every play, every relevant player in the league over the summer, which is a uh, good food for thought, not only for people who play fantasy, but also someone looking to, uh, you know, for the teams they root for, uh, to look at the possible projections for how different guys are going to perform based on new line mates, based on uh, trends in the off season. Uh, we dive into prospects. Uh, yeah, there's so much going on in the summer. We look at all the sleepers and breakout players. A uh, cool thing about what we do for NHL.com is we're not only covering what's happening, we're spinning it forward. We're looking at uh, what possibly could happen. And uh, more times than not, it's, uh, it's a good projection for uh, what's going on. It's a very difficult sport to predict uh, with uh, all the parity and you see teams popping up out of nowhere. I mean, you know, there's so many examples in recent years when the Avalanche went from worst to the playoffs. This past year, the St. Louis Blues went from last in the league January 1st to winning the Stanley Cup. So we try to stay on the edge of it and explore all the possibilities because in hockey, sometimes unlike other sports, some really crazy things could happen. That was some story with the Blues, huh? You guys still must be buzzing from that final. Yeah, definitely. They took down the Bruins in game seven on the road and had a rookie goalie who most honestly, most people in the NHL uh, family had not really ever heard of prior to January 7th, I think, when he made his first start and had a couple of shutouts, uh, went 24 and five in the regular season and was still underestimated in each and every round by the vast majority of people. Uh, I'm happy to say I picked them in the first two rounds to advance when not many people did. But I had the Bruins in the in the final, uh, and they proved me wrong. The St. Louis Blues are a tremendous story this year. Yeah, well, you can you can take credit for the first two, but uh, nothing further. <laughs> not not an right. inch more uh, of credit. Well, uh, no, it, it is wild uh, how busy these off seasons are, and it gives you a chance, I imagine, to start planning for the coming year. And that's when you really sort of start brainstorming the creative initiatives that allow you to grow long term before the season gets going. Oh, yeah, definitely. We we want to try to I mean, we're doing our podcast uh, at least once a week over the summer uh, and we do it twice a week during the regular season. So now that we got our feet on the ground with that initiative, we're looking at 
uh, you know, places to broadcast that in real time because uh, shelf life is such a big thing with what we do. We could write something, we could record something for an hour, get back to our desks and see that something has happened to uh, throw our things into a blender, all our analysis. So uh, I think to make it as real time as possible, to connect with the fans in as many ways as possible, um, different mailbag sort of things in terms of the technology. You know, we're definitely look at, looking at things like Twitch and uh, some ways to uh, get our thing in real time uh, moving forward. So yeah, it's a fun thing to be a part of. And each and every year, like I mentioned, the uh, opportunities expand and uh, we have to uh, roll with it and maximize everything that we can uh, to, to not only grow the stuff we're doing in print and on the website, but also on the other platforms to continue to make a case uh, for bigger and better things down the road. Yeah, absolutely. Lastly, what's your uh, way too early Stanley Cup final pick for next year? <laughs> yeah, we'll see. I think that the Vegas Golden Knights, the way that they lost in Game 7 to the Sharks, uh, with mm. you know what controversial call you could say, uh, I think they are ready-made. They are loaded. They're going to be a really uh, difficult team to beat, especially if they can get through the Sharks, which unfortunately for them, they're in the same division and then, uh, you know, a couple teams in the East. I think uh, one team that's a dark horse to me is the Philadelphia Flyers. They have a loaded offense. Nobody would ever, just based on how that franchise has trended in the past decade since they've been to the Cup Final, I always look at dark horse teams. I look at teams that uh, have loaded offenses. Uh, they've improved their defense. They've already made a couple of nice trades, and they finally have a goalie. They have 20, 21-year-old Carter Hart, so don't sleep on the Philadelphia Flyers. How crazy of a final would that be? Maybe Vegas against the Flyers. Let's, that's, that's my early bold prediction for uh, next season. There you go. Two, two passionate cities in, in their own ways, <laughs> to say the least. And lastly, you know, I think about it uh, with the connection with the Bagulas and Penn State hockey and uh, you know, just the passion for, for hockey in Pennsylvania with Penguins and Flyers fans. And of course, the Pagulas owning the Sabres. That's some nice synergy for you as well as a Penn State grad. Yeah, definitely. I've been back to Pagula twice uh, since its uh, opening, and I believe I'm going to be there for uh, the first preseason game this season. It's going to be an NHL preseason game at Pagula Ice Arena wow. between the Sabres and the Penguins. Very cool thing. I have been to two college games at the rink, never been to an NHL one. So I'm really excited about that. And it's crazy. I mean, looking back at Penn State, I mean, they just had the club hockey team at the time. I wasn't too much involved with it, went to some games, but uh, what an opportunity for, and I, see, I connect with a lot of students through Mike Porman and even on my own on social media uh, who cover hockey in and out now and have what an amazing opportunity thanks to Terry and Kim Pagula and their donation uh, to launch the program and the sports media opportunities now have extended to another sport uh, which is so huge for Penn State uh, and its journalism program moving forward. Well thanks so much Pete uh, and this was great uh, to do it with you and uh, appreciate you being on this episode of Penn State Conversations and I'll say wishes for continued success, but you don't need it. You'll continue to do great things. I appreciate it, Jacob. And yeah, I really look back at my time at Penn State 
as very valuable, not only in terms of the memories, but in terms of all the professional opportunities that have led me to this point in my career. So uh, I, I try to get back to Penn State for a football game at least every year. I think I've been there every single year at least once, come back with my wife, and uh, we have a blast. She, uh, she didn't go to Penn State, but we were at, in school together uh, at the time. We met in high school, so she's an honorary Penn Stater, <laughs> and she loves going back as well. Yeah, we've let Jess in, and uh, we've had some uh, engaging, let's call it, uh, text uh, chains back and forth after some of those uh, uh, gut-wrenching losses. <laughs> yeah, I was at the game uh, against Ohio State. One of the best atmospheres of a game that I've ever been to in my life. One of the most memorable games that I've ever been to in my life in terms of the scene, the weather, everything associated with that big time event, primetime Saturday night, whiteout. But unfortunately, couldn't get the win. So uh, we'll try to steal one on the road from uh, the Buckeyes this year. It was your fault, Pete. It was all your fault. <laughs> all right. Thanks, buddy. And uh, we will see you next time on Penn State Conversations. This episode of Penn State Conversations was presented by the Young Alumni Council of the Donald P. Belisario College of Communications Alumni Society Board. The Alumni Society Board aims to help elevate the stature of the Belisario College through dialogue with faculty, students, the dean, and associate deans. The Young Alumni Council also aims to foster a strong connection between young alumni and the college to inspire lifelong support and involvement. For more information or to learn how you can get involved, please visit belisario.psu.edu slash alumni.